Pastor Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. How about those Chiefs? <laughs> I'm so happy your team won again, back to back. Back to back, and now it's time for the three-peat. The Chiefs are dominating. But I will I will say this. Three-peat, wow. You're just naming it and claiming it. I'm naming it and claiming it right now. But I will say this. The three-peat is going to happen. So we're going to mark this day. Wow. I'm calling it. Three-peat's going to happen. And then I fear Andy Reid will retire, and the whole thing will fall apart. But... We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, that was the most stressful football game I've watched in a long time. People were like, oh, it's such a good football game. No, it wasn't. It I was, was stressful, stressed. I was stressed and out. And it was not fun. And it really wasn't even that great of, well, I shouldn't say that. Great defense, not great offense. I was worried because I'm just going to say this. I think that the Niners outplayed the Chiefs for the bulk of that game. Wow. And I think had a couple things gone the Niners way, they would have been hoisting the trophy. But they ran up against fourth quarter Patrick Mahomes, and that is a tough, tough thing to do. And, and um, you know, there's a spiritual component here. You can make an application to your life. It's not how you start the game. It's how you finish the game. <laughs> and you can, start, you can start bad, but if you finish strong, that's a spiritual life right there. We're not surprised that you Run the race with perseverance. Don't give up. Way. Sometimes we need overtime, but we get it done. See, I think people are not happy with you because you were cheering against Christian Purdy. I like Brock Purdy. I actually hope. I like his name. I will say this, and I'll say this. Son I will say this publicly. Of course, I would not want the 49ers to, to win. However... If the Chiefs were to have lost that game, I would have not been devastated. I mean, I wouldn't be devastated anyway. I wouldn't have lost an ounce of sleep either way. But I would have been happy for Brock because I think he would have tried to use that platform for something good. He even used his loss for for a platform for the Lord. So, you know, there are... There are some really devoted Christ followers in the NFL. You know, there's devoted Christ followers in a lot of sports. Um, You know, I don't... uh, you know, there's more than Tim Tebow, and I'm right. and I'm and I'm thankful that that Brock talks about his faith in a very normal way, and um, but anyway, that game was that game was phenomenal, and it was it was just fantastic. And, and then Travis Kelsey was kind of getting dinged. For oh man, mouthing off to his coach and bumping into him. But I, I'll say, I know that we're neck and neck in the podcast world with he and his brother. Um, they're like number one. We're like number two. <laughs> yeah, the, the New Heights podcast and, uh, and ours neck and neck. He did own it, and his brother did call him out on it. Oh, did you watch that? I and, haven't seen any yeah. of it. And so I was curious what he was going to say about it. it. He did own it, and his brother said that should have never happened. And 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 uh, Kelsey said, "Yeah, I agree." And um, Coach Reed. Um, pulled him off to the side and said, dude, I'm on camera all the time. You can't be talking to me like that and bumping into me. And, and he did say he did bump into him, not on purpose. And then, and then coach Reed lost his footing, but his brother, Jason called him out on it and it it got discussed. And I think he aired it out a little bit, but I know there's some people that are really upset. about. Here's the problem with that is these kids look up to these sports figures so much. They idolize them and they see that and kids will emulate that. They think that they can talk to their coaches that way. And Which that is absolutely no, but here's the other I thing. Would, if he was my ten year old, 
on the team, I would have yanked my 10-year-old off the field and said, you're not playing it anymore. I don't care if you're the star player. That's uncalled for. Well, let's not get crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, unfortunately, we live in a society where talent overrides attitude, and that's exactly what's happening. And as a parent, you need to stand no, up that's and right. teach your kids no, I'm only teasing. what the right thing to you do You are is. absolutely 100% we correct. We have been on the football field before where the police had to get called, and coaches were mad, and they yanked kids off the field and they marched off. That's a story for another podcast. We were in a second grade football game and the police had to come and restore order. Hey, I will say that that was in Kansas City and you know there are a bunch of heathens up there. But anyway. I want to say my kid, my kid at the time and I think all the kids on the football field were around five or six years old. So it was a complete embarrassment that five and six year olds were dealing with these adult attitudes. It was, it was all adult um, coaching egos. Well, the coaches of the other team got in a fight. But they, these kids are seeing (laughs) that. These kids are seen at a very young age. And that is what's sad. And so then to have um, Travis, Kelsey be, um, such a great player and then have a lot of kids looking up to him and a lot of kids are watching him. Well, and here's something do something like that. Here's something on a related note and I'm not a Swifty. I know nothing about Travis and What's Taylor's Swifty Travis and Taylor's <laughs> relationship. But if Taylor Swift is as smart as they say she is, then she needs to be paying attention to his behavior because how he treats Andy Reid is how he will treat her in their private moments eventually. And um, these outbursts, Travis has had two or three outbursts of throwing helmets oh. and and kicking things over. And, and we already know, I mean, he's had these outbursts his whole career. Yeah. A lot of that's maturity. And, and sometimes men can... But, um, he's so, a man. He's well, not a kid. Yeah, but... He's playing a kid's game and, and, and when you throw celebrity and money in there and nobody tells you no in your life, what I'm saying is, and, and, you know, Taylor may be the exact same way, but she, and now this, this is for any, anybody up there date in a dating or an engaged relationship, you need to watch that person in every environment imaginable before you tie the knot with them. Mm-hmm. You need to know, you need to see how they react when they're happy, how they react when they're mad, how they react to adversity, how they react when they win, how they react when they lose. You need to somehow, before you tie that knot, position yourself to see them experience all these range of emotions mm-hmm. in life. And quite honestly, if I was Taylor Swift, I would be looking at these outbursts and I would ask the question, when am I Andy and when does he scream at me and knock me off my feet? That's a real thing. And I know I didn't mean to take this to a real serious thing, but that's what I thought of. If he does it to coach Reed, who he greatly respects, even if he apologizes later, he'll do it to, t- to Taylor one day when, when she makes him mad and the, and the, you know, the guards are down and everything else. So, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying that that's not overcomable. I'm just saying she needs to wise up and look and see what's already on full display in front of her and ask, do I want to live my life with somebody like that? Mm-hmm. Unless he can't get under control. He didn't hit him. He did yell at him. And it was on TV. And had it not been broadcast like that, would it be being discussed right now? Well, if that's how he responds to when things don't go his way. Right. Right. Um, Is that what it was about? That 
well, yeah, they, the, they had fumbled the ball and he was mad that he wasn't in the game. He didn't get his way. It did not go the way he wanted. And that was his outburst. And I'm just saying, hey, Taylor Swift, I know you're listening. <laughs> I know you can't this. wait for this episode to drop. I'm just saying. But anyway, all that aside, it was a glorious night. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I'm ecstatic. I'm over the moon happy. And I did make snacks. You did make snacks. We did and talk about it. They're great even snacks. I know if I made the snacks that I had told everyone I was going to make. However, I did end up making um, chicken bacon ranch sliders, which were a hit. And I asked Brock how what he thought of them and he said they were amazing they were amazing and i said do you like these sliders over like regular cheeseburger sliders and he goes that's a tough one one. and i was like wow i'm impressed with myself now your crab rangoon dip was amazing you've never made that before i'd never made either of those dishes so crab rangoon dip um you know we went up to hy-vee which is a grocery store in kansas city and they in their like um chinese food section of the restaurant they sell the the fried wontons and so it's just easier to grab a box of fried great. wontons. And so I was like, oh, I could make crab ragoon dip um, and, with these. And so I made crab ragoon dip, bacon or chicken bacon ranch sliders. And then I made a half-baked harvest recipe, which um, I actually put on my blog because everybody loves them. And it's like snicker pretzel chocolate chip bars. And they're they were, so good. They were good. And a couple hours before the game started, there was a knock at my door. And I opened the door, and there was the chairman of our elder, Steve Conway. And he was holding this big box. I love Steve. He goes, hey, I brought you something. Like, what? Now, Steve is a huge 49ers fan. He moved here from California a number of years ago, still loves the Niners, still is hurt over the first Super Bowl a couple years ago between the two teams. And uh, he brought me a cake for our Super Bowl party. And it was a San Francisco 49ers cake with a big picture of Brock Purdy on the front of it. And it said, go 49ers. <laughs> and so what we did was after he left. We took pictures. And we're like, oh, that was so nice yeah, when, of you. When he left, we we <laughs> manipulated the G for go, go Niners. To and we ew. To ooh Niners. And um, and we ate that 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 cake and it was amazing. And we, I think I have a video of Brock like eating the face off Brock Purdy or something like we won. But anyway, you know, as a pastor, I'm always looking for, you know, those, those things in the church that could sow seeds of division. And I see on the horizon, (laughs) the chairman of the elders is a Niners fan. The lead pastor is a chiefs fan. And there is a growing contingency of 49er fans in our church. And uh, did you notice on church, uh, on on um, our weekend service, all the weekend services, yeah. all the campuses? When I asked who's cheering for who, and uh, of course the biggest cheer was for the Chiefs, but uh, I the was biggest cheer was for the I don't care. Well, not in every service, but I was shocked. <laughs> I was really surprised at how many people were cheering for the Niners in all of our services. A little too many Californians coming this way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. Actually, there was quite a few California people, and they're like, "Oh, no way! We you hate, don't want the see, San Francisco." California California is so big; they got all these different teams. It's so. like four states in one. So they're like, "No, we don't want we don't want them." So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's also the L.A. Rams in California. So there's some people that cheer for them as well. Well, it's just friendly. That's just the only two teams in California for football: L.A. Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. I think so. Well, they change all the time. It feels like I the know, San it was Diego, the St. Louis Rams. Well, it used to be the Raiders. They went to Vegas and the. The Chargers went to L.A. 
It's anyway, it doesn't matter. But these days, but, but what, I think there's only two NFL teams yeah. in. But California. what I'll say is, I'm just joking about the division. Sports has never caused a division or church, but I think it's fun. You know, it kind of keeps things lively, and it's and it's fun and you ribbing. Came out as Pastor Mahomes again. Uh, yep, I sure did. And when I did not it's, have any cereal boxes, well, it's fun for you to get to wear hair for. Somebody every, said once a year. <laughs> somebody said I look younger with hair. Well, probably. I mean, <laughs> maybe I should just start wearing wigs all the time. You know, we've been married almost twenty-five years. This summer will be twenty-five years. I don't think you've had hair since we got married. I had a little bit of hair on our wedding day, and everybody thought I was forty, and you were twenty-two when we got Your married. Sister called it a patch. Well, yes, you I didn't I, have I could, much hair. No, it was. I kept it pretty short on the wedding day, and I could still comb it. I could part it and comb it, but man, that's why the Mahomes wig is so fun because that's a lot of hair. <laughs> Curly, dark, which your brother has a lot of hair. Yeah, yeah. But what I was going to say is that the cereal, I was so I upset. Know. I could not throw out any cereal boxes this year because they stopped making the stuff. But I brought, I got popcorn and uh, I threw it like that. But one thing I realized about that popcorn, it throws like a football. I can get a perfect spiral on that bag of popcorn. You threw it way over a lady's head on um, this last weekend, and I it busted open. I it hit, did bust yeah, open? Oh, I, I didn't know that. To her and I said, hey, this is open over here, so be careful. Oh, I, did, I was going for the back row. I didn't see it it's bust open. It's because it flew way over the back row. You well, actually have a pretty good arm. I thought she was going to jump. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I overthrew her, and... Dan Clark was not good. I know. <laughs> I didn't know it popped open. Yeah, when it hit my feet, because I was on the back wall well, I also of the threw, Highlands campus, and it hit my feet. That's well, how far he threw it from well, the stage. I threw one, and a guy jumped up and intercepted. He didn't realize that I was trying to throw it to the lady behind him, but I think he got it to her. I felt kind of bad afterwards. If not, then he can see us. And I told him in church, I got maybe one. Maybe give up your popcorn. I got one more bag of popcorn for you, but he didn't come find me after church. So I hope that all got sorted out, and nobody's too mad at me for that. But, but at least we had something to give out. That was that's fun, right. instead of the and what a fun Sunday. I mean, huge crowds in all of our services. It's just a fun day. Well, we got to get to this. Okay. The results of how long a sermon should be. Yes. Last week's podcast, we talked about the perfect length of the sermon, and we asked you guys to weigh in. And I'm telling you, you guys weighed in every which way and sideways. Um, I was getting text messages. I was... Uh, oh, we got emails. We got DMs. We got... Um, the post, the social post, social media posts, comments. it was all over the place. Yes. So what are our, our results? I know what uh, someone told me to my face and I was like, we got to make this count. You got <laughs> to put it in an email or, or post it on social media. We'll count it because overwhelmingly 30 plus minutes is the ah. perfect sermon length for these people. I'm emphasizing like, the plus. 30 um, plus. Yeah, no. there were some 40 to 45 minutes. There were some hours. You there can't some... see me, but I'm rolling my eyes. 45 so. minutes. Do you guys have kids in the kids ministry? <laughs> Who is voting 45 minutes? Obviously, the will of the people has spoken. Oh. And just so all you know, I will begin adjusting accordingly. No, you will not. <laughs> Abby serves you, in the kids ministry. I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have to have the kids just forewarn us so we can have more activities planned. <laughs> we can have more things to do. Just uh, let us know when it's gonna be a, a listen. Hefty whoever one. I ran into, and I'm sorry, I cannot remember who it was. I was talking to. They're like, I agree with you, Kirsten. It should be 20 to 25 minutes. I'm like, thank you. 
Thank you. We got a couple of those, but not many. You guys were in the minority. So you know the uh, the uh, there's been a ton of memes of Travis Kelsey confronting Andy Reid, and I shared one with the staff of nursery workers with the pastor when he's when the service goes over by five minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, we need to pose that one. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm I. Joe's a great preacher. Um, hey, so for that the record, does help things. So my, I, I, my mom just texted me right in the middle of us doing this podcast, and she said, "Hey, my ideal sermon length is any length you preach." Boom! Oh, my mom has spoken. Spoken like a true mom. <laughs> there it is, right there. What? So there's the final answer. My it's, vote will never change. It should be twenty to twenty-five minutes. You need to listen to Doctor Shaw, and that's just how things should be. Over the weekend in my sermon, I talked a lot about how the Israelites, a whole new generation was raised up and they had no clue who God was. I find that unbelievable. But in the sermon, I spent a little bit of time trying to encourage families. Because I know we have a number of families that find themselves in in that situation where um, they've tried to raise their kids to know the Lord, but for reasons even a mystery to the parents. Sometimes they have chosen to walk a different path. And I have sat with many parents who have shed many tears in my office of just how they hurt over their adult children who have not followed the Lord. And, um, and I try to be an encouragement They don't ever stop praying for those kids. And I've seen, I've seen examples of adult children come back to their faith mm-hmm. and life circumstances can sometimes change things. The light of Jesus will shine through. You just pray, 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 and, and keep asking God to bring Christian people into their lives that can influence them and influence them through their children, all kinds of stuff. You know, it's, it's one of those, um, it's one of those mysteries to me a little bit, you know, like in the movie Maverick, when Top Gun turns to his general and or his admiral and he says, it's one of life's mysteries, sir. Yeah, it's like to me, I've seen I've been in ministry long enough that I've seen kids raised in Christian homes. I mean, the best Christian homes you can imagine. And these kids have gone off and chased after the world. And I've seen examples of kids that were raised up in extremely difficult situations, not encouraged in their faith at all. But those kids grew up to love Jesus and have become very faithful in their mm-hmm. walk with Jesus. Sometimes it doesn't feel like there's a rhyme or reason to it. And, and um, you know, I know of examples of, of, of even adult children coming back to their parents and saying, hey, you don't need to hold this guilt because I make my own decisions in life. And I this has nothing to do with your parenting. I, I, I chose, I don't want to walk with Jesus. There's like that forthright. I've seen those examples too. And um, it doesn't lessen the pain at all, but it's, it, some of this is kind of a mystery to me, but, but it's a, it's, it's a mystery to me how a whole generation of Israelites can grow up and not know the Lord after all that had happened to them. And so I kind of blended that in to try to encourage our church family. Cause of like, because some of our families are walking through this a little bit. I know what a great burden it is to them. I tried to resource them, and I also wanted them to know that Kirsten, you and I are right there too. Yeah. I mean we we spend a lot of time thinking and praying and well, about our our children. Yeah, we've I got, think your message was to not give up praying for them, no matter what the age. Right. Whether you have young kids in the home, whether you have kids our a our kids' ages. Um, whether you have adult children who have children, you know, so um, your parents often said, you know, we're in the grandparent ministry. We're praying for our grandkids mm-hmm. and we're going to minister to our grandkids. You know, so I think that one of the one of the things that we 
we did growing, you know, with our kids growing up is we prayed for them. And then as they start getting closer to leaving the nest, um, that's when it gets real. Yeah. And I think it got real, real for us when our, our son chose to go to what some people would even label as a pretty liberal um, school. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and so, you know, I had many people say, hey, I, I don't know if he should go there. It's it's a really liberal, you know, school. And I said, well, I'm not choosing the school my son's going to. But, um, you know, we're not going to give up praying for him. And we're going to be really intentional. So, um you know, our kids aren't further, far down the road of leaving the home. We still have one in the home. We have one kid who is basically a freshman in college. Um, we we often refer to him as a plebe because he's at the Naval Academy and freshmen at the Naval Academy are referred to as plebes. So when he started talking to us about going there, I have months of research of churches in the area of when we went to visit um, probably a year, year and a half ago, I knew that we were going to go start visiting churches that weekend. And I knew that I'm not from the East coast. That's a long way away from our home. So it's, it's, I feel like it's a little bit even harder for us because it's not like we have a lot of connections out there. So I felt like our research started even, you know, the weekend that he even just went to visit. It was like, yeah. okay, well, here we're going to well, check these places out. Right. And, you know, one of, the thing, one of the things we want to cover today in our conversation is what are some steps or what are some things you can do to kind of help your adult children, those who have just left the nest, stay faithful in college, stay faithful into early adulthood, what gives them the best chance? I do think what gives them the best chance is starting them before they leave the home. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's any revelation, you know? Um, But it's something that there was definitely a turning point in our minds when it was kind of coming to the realization, Neil is leaving and he's not going to, he's not going to be at Ozark Christian college. You know, he's not going to be at University of Arkansas. He's not some of these other schools that were kind of on consideration possibly. But when the Navy pointed his way is like, oh, man, this kid's leaving 1100 miles from here. And yes, you do have those as a parent. Is he ready spiritually? I knew he was ready physically. You know, um, Neil had all those detachment signs that you want all your seniors to have that, you know, they're ready to fly the nest. You know, he had all of those things, massive independence, you know, this I'm looking forward to the next step. But that for me, I'm telling you, it drove me to my knees in prayer for his spiritual next step. And, and as a parent, even as the pastor of this church, you wrestle, have we done enough? Have we have, had the right conversation? Have, have we covered everything? Now, I'm very thankful that uh, a few years ago, both of my sons decided to follow Jesus on their own. This was something they did on their own. This was, I'm a, I told the church this on Sunday and Saturday. I said, you know, no kid is going to ride their parents' coattails of faith into heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to stand before the Lord on their own. They got to make up their own minds as to what they believe. And I am so thankful that my sons did that, but I have a responsibility now as their father to nurture that decision yeah. and to mentor that and to grow that. And so um, every kid's different. also started, you know, 
I think you, you talked about this of having spiritual conversations with your kids. Um, I don't think just attending church once, twice, four times a month is enough. Um, or sending your kids to new life kids or sending your kids to youth group is enough. I think those are great things. And I think being consistent in, in attending worship service um, at church is important. And I, I grew up not ever thinking, are we going to go to church? I knew we were going to church. It was what service are we going to? So I think that's important. So attendance is important, but the spiritual, Well, you're talking about setting that, that pattern of consistency. And I think that begins with the parents. And right now the latest data shows the average Christian family goes to church 1.4 times a month, which means that the average Christian family in America will be in church 13 to 14 times 15 times maybe per year. And that, in my opinion, is not enough to build Mm -hmm. a consistent pattern of worship. And I think what's important is is to get that pattern down. And and I've said this many times. Um, I think, personally, it's a mistake to give your children choice about going to church. Mm -hmm. When they're in your home and they're growing up, um, um, our, you know, we, we just, I mean, we're very open about it. We tell our boys, Matt, you don't have a choice. You stay up all night, Saturday night, you're still going to church on Sunday. Um, you know, and that's how I was raised. Actually. I had a, I had a job all through high school at a, at a restaurant. And sometimes I'd have to stay till one o'clock in the morning, closing up on a Saturday night. And my dad was always like, I don't care how late you work. But um, you will be be up for church in the morning. There was a non-negotiable. I look back on that going, thank you, dad, that he didn't let me um, um, skirt out of that because there's a pattern you want to set. And and so as Neil has moved into adulthood, there is um, a pattern that we've tried to set in him that I want when he's in college to have Sunday to roll around. He's like, I'm supposed to be somewhere. You know, now obviously I want him to think about the Lord more than that, but, but Yes, tomorrow is Sunday. My natural, my natural evolution then is yes. Where am I going to go to church now? Or new a, life on Saturday night. Or new life on Saturday. But <laughs> I think for him now, there's some challenges because for sure he doesn't have a lot of choices. This this last summer for him, so it's one of the things that we made. Um, a priority was to help him find a way to get plugged in. And I think as a parent, it's important that if you know your kids leaving, moving, going away somewhere that you help put them on the right path as much as possible um, by helping them out. Um, Neil's personality is a little different as far as um, he's going to be listening to this. So I have to be careful <laughs> what I say. But he was the kid who did not want to go into Allen's and go check out, you know, with a tub of ice cream. He just didn't want to. That was just like he was not one of the kids that we would send in. Hey, go grab some butter and here's some money. There is no way he was like, no. And I'm like, why? But like Brock, he went to the grocery store for me yesterday and got like six things he's never bought before and (laughs) had like no problem. So I knew that like going into a new environment for Neil was going to be a little bit more tricky because he was um, maybe not. I knew he was ready for where he was going, but I knew that just saying, Hey, I hope you find a church and good luck. We'll, we'll be praying for you. Right. Probably wasn't enough. And so we felt very much as he was moving into that next step, Kirsten, I still had to be involved in that process of his next step. And I think that's another key. I think you try your best as a parent 
to, and, and I'm going to get back to that thought. Rick. I didn't mean to interrupt your thought, Kirsten, I'm but, good with it. <laughs> but you try to set that pattern early. I don't think you yeah. should give them a choice. I don't think you should give them a choice about coming to youth group either. You know, I think you keep working that or in the kid ministry, you keep working that to saturate, you know, I'm, I'm that our kids got older. Then they started wanting to serve right. in this church as well, which is completely ideal. Right. They wanted to serve. Well, and so it, they it's, attended, they served, and they went to student ministry, which is yeah. exactly what I think you gotta set these parameters around your kids and say, You can get a job, but you can't work on Wednesdays during youth group. Mm-hmm. You can get a job, but you have to go to church Saturday night or Sunday. These are these these this thing as a parent, you guide them and you don't give them choices. You can play sports. But if this sport is going to keep you out of church, we're not going to do it. And these are some hardcore decisions. I remember, I think I've told this story before, that was in the eighth grade. Um, I, I tried out for what's called a classic soccer team, which was like a premier league. And um, and I made the team and I was so excited. I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. But I was an eighth I didn't grader. I realize you're such a great soccer player. Well, I'm great in the roles you don't have to run very far. So goalie. And, um, <laughs> and so anyway, I was so excited. And then we got the schedule. For the next three or four months, every game was Sunday morning. And I knew this was going to be a problem because even as an eighth grader, the pattern was set. And my dad took one look at the the schedule and see a lot of parents would say, that's hardcore. You're being mean. I don't look at it that way anymore. You know what my dad said? You got to quit the team. Yeah. There was no discussion. It was like, I'm sorry, you got to quit the team. Now, and a it, lot of parents these days would think that's pretty harsh, but we weren't. Your dad wasn't playing the short game. He was playing the long that's game right. there. And let's be real. I don't think I had a future in soccer. I don't think, uh, I don't, you know, major league soccer wasn't a thing, but you know, I think my dad made a calculated decision and he put priorities in order. And he's like, that soccer team, even though it's a short season is not more important than going to church. And so I think what my dad was seeing in the future, if I allow three or four months of skipping church, I might be setting a pattern that says it's okay to take three or four months off. And I'm telling you, in today's culture, you take three or four months off of church, you probably will never get them back. And so... It is hard once you're out of the routine to get back in a routine. Absolutely. Going every single weekend and not allowing that interruption. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's not exceptions to that, but I think encouraging too that, that, that if you can't get to church on Sunday morning, where's your alternative? It's like, do you find a church locally where you're at? Do you make sure you go online and worship with your church family? And I mean, I mean, even live and, and making sure that, you know, well, and I the, think you and I are speaking to this because we were both raised that way too. Like our parents made it a priority to be in church every weekend. There wasn't a weekend that I can remember that we weren't in church. And I do remember there being a weekend that we didn't make it to church because of the weather or something. And I remember we gathered together in our family room and had communion together and, and worshiped. And so, um, it was a priority. Right. It was like, like I said, it was, there was never a doubt in my mind that yeah. we were going to be attending church. You know, this pastor that I reference on Sunday, he says, you know, there's things you can do while your kids are still in the home to help set the stage. You know, Ultimately, these kids have to choose Christ for their own. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he says you got to love Jesus vibrantly. What does that look like to love Jesus vibrantly in your home, to let your kids see you live out your faith, mm-hmm. the good, bad, the ugly. I've made tons of mistakes. Um, and my kids have seen that. And, and, um, you know, I had to I had to apologize to Brock just last week because I really bit his head off over something, and I felt really guilty about when it. Joe says he bit his head off. 
Joe's still really nice when he bites someone's head off. It well, was, you were there. You saw what I did. I know. And, That's and I'm like, mm. well, all right. Well, in my, in my in world, your, yeah, in and I felt really way. bad about that. And I don't think I represented Christ very good um, in that moment. And so later that night, um, when we all came back together, like like I snapped at him really hard, and then I had to leave. I was under the I had to be somewhere, and I was upset about something that happened. I came back and I said, "Brock, I need you to forgive me." You know, um, no, I, I stand by the reason I was upset with you, but the way I handled that, and I think honestly, I don't think it's a bad thing. And again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying I don't think it's a bad thing to still try to live out your faith vibrantly, and if you screw up. To live it out in front of them. So Admit it. Live it out vibrantly. I think that makes a difference in the long run. But also, serve the Lord actively. I think your children need to, I think children need to watch their parents serving the Lord. And so they see a visual pattern of what, a, a visual example of what they're supposed to do. And then the last thing is to saturate your home with the gospel completely. I think you should have Bibles around. I think you should have Christian music playing. I think you should pray before you eat. I think you should pray before you go to bed. I think if your kids are young, you should read them a Bible story. I think you, you saturate and part of that saturation is being a part of church. Now, when Kirsten or when Neil left, this is where I think, you know, you and I made a strategic decision. We're not done spiritually pan- parenting this this child. Well, you start training your child and teaching them at, as an infant. I mean, he would memorize those little board books about Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. He was you know, from a really young age, we, we really love the action Bible when our boys were young. That mm-hmm. was a huge one. That Absolutely. We had Bible time. Very. I often, love the action Bible. Almost, I'm not even a kid. I would say almost, my boys love it. Yes, yes. It's such a great tool. You know what I love about the action Bible? I'm sorry to interrupt you again. It's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that action Bible, I think has been one of the best tools for dads. Because, you know, it's a comic book. The Action Bible is like the entire Bible. It kind of follows the same um, progression as the story. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's kind of the same timeline chronology of the whole Bible. And it's, and it's put into comics. And these are legit comics. The guys that put it together used to work for DC Comics. I mean, this is legit. And what I have found over the years is I've, I have encouraged fathers to read this to their kids. The fathers are learning with their kids. Yeah, because Bible stories. you know, one of the challenges is a lot of dads don't know how to impress these things because mm-hmm. they're growing their faith or they're just new to their faith. But as they read these stories to their kids, the kids are learning, but the dads are learning too. And the moms are learning. I mean, Abby, I'm sure yeah. you were learning too. You're like, you're learning details. So I love the action Bible. Yeah. It's a great thing. And I, I hear they're translating in all bunch of different languages. Well, since I know it's in Spanish. Um, I read somewhere that they're doing like a sign language af- action Bible. I'm not exactly sure how, how that's. Well, they're doing a translate. They're doing a sign language translation of the scripture. Anyway. So there was, we, we, from a young age, having those conversations, having that Bible time, having the, them be part of our uh, student ministry, having them be part of our new life kids, having them see us serve. um, I think those are all important things that, that kids see. And then hopefully that, translates when they're on their own and you don't stop this influence when they leave the home and then and this is the this is the part where i think sometimes parents don't realize that that there's i still feel a massive responsibility for my son his spiritual well-being even through college and and i told the church this weekend 
that we had to come to terms with the fact that we are sending our son to the most secular environment around. So when I left the home when I was 18, mm-hmm. there was a rule in my house, and I grew up with this rule my whole life, that I, and I knew it, I didn't even fight it, that, um, that I had to spend a year in Bible college before I did anything else. That now that's that also may seem kind of hardcore to a lot of parents, but um, that was a rule I grew up with, and it was it was interesting. Now as I look back God on it, knew that you weren't going to go if you weren't forced because I chose to go. <laughs> well, so kind of <laughs> yes, a little bit about my I'm upbringing. Myself on the back. A <laughs> little bit of my upbringing since I was I could remember um, I was always told Joe. And this was the same for my brother and my sister. Your first year out of the home is going to be at a Bible college. It can be at a Bible college of my choosing, but um, my dad really emphasized the need to that first year away from the home to be in a good, positive Christian environment. That was extremely important to him. See, my father didn't stop spiritually parenting me after I left the home either. And so he tried to make provisions and things. Now, now you and I, did not choose to inf- to to overlay a rule like that on our boys. Correct. And um, you and I have had many discussions about that very thing because there were times I wanted that for my children too. One year, and so the rule in my house was one year, and which ended up being Ozark Christian College, and then and and then and then and then my dad basically paid go, for it, yeah. and then the and then I could go do whatever I wanted, and it wasn't something I dreaded. I had eight or nine friends from youth group. They're all going to Ozark Christian College. So I actually, I had, it was the most amazing year, but I did not go to Bible college thinking that I was going to be in the ministry. That came later, but that one year, even if I had left, would have served me really well. It would have really grounded me in my faith, and I would have built mm-hmm. some relationships. But I think that would have carried, and that was that was his whole point. Now, mm-hmm. God got a hold of my heart while I was at Bible college. And I ended up staying there, but I didn't go to Ozark Christian College to be a pastor. Farthest thing from my mind. So, um, so when Neil said, "I want to go to the Naval Academy," and we, and then when that actually came about he was very focused on that one school specifically, but and this focus sec- was very narrowed. So. Him, us trying to impose, hey, you have to go to Bible college first for a year, just really wasn't part of the conversation. It wasn't, but that didn't relieve us of the responsibility to get him that spiritual for grounding. Sure. I mean, so, I think so. I think it was even more so like, okay. Yeah, he is going to now? the most secular environment he has ever been. And he joked with me, you know, and, and he's like, Dad, I, I, I wrestled at Bentonville High School. I like, I, what have I not seen? I'm like, oh, son, you've not seen anything yet. It's so... And I think he is seeing that the, the the you know he's away from his Christian home, so he's not coming home every night to to base. He's not coming back to the Christian environment. It's not like he's going out to Bentonville High School and the wrestling team and then coming home into a Christian environment. There is no coming home to the Christian environment. It's it is on him to create that. So what Kirsten talk about the steps we took in preparation for him going to the Naval Academy, that we were not convinced that he would have taken those steps on his own. Just like you mentioned, he wouldn't go to the grocery store and pick up whatever. <laughs> so we talk we about, you, Neil. talk about a you year know, out, a year out the prep work we started doing. So we, I came across, um, one of the Christian organizations that's kind of like campus house here at University of Arkansas. A lot of universities have these campus houses that are Christian run. Um, and they had something called Officers Christian Fellowship. OCF. And it is, um, it, it's actually on almost all military bases. And I didn't know that at the time. 
I was. We were so ignorant I about was the very military. Green. I was trying to learn all this stuff. So we read books, I, everything. I have some friends who were in the military. One who um, was a lifer. I mean, she retired, and so she had said, "Yeah, I was part of OCF as well when I was in um, the army." So I started looking into that. Found out that they have something very similar to a campus house at the Naval Academy, and I reached out for them and just said, hey, I'm a mom. My son is probably going to be at the Naval Academy this fall, and I'd like some more information about what you guys do and how it works. Like, I just don't know enough about it. And so that began a conversation with um, uh, the the couple that actually run OCF wonderful people. Holy at, cow. At, uh, at the Naval Academy. And so and we that, knew right away. That when we met them, they were allies of ours. For sure. Oh yeah, they deeply they committed their we walk. Were, so our we kids were getting we into. were hunting down allies that that we could count on when we were eleven hundred miles away from our yeah. our child, and then we also met the chaplain of the well, Naval Academy, and so that that started a conversation, which then they said, "Hey, we're gonna have." an open house the weekend you're going to be here. Mm-hmm. And that was important that we take him to that open house so he could meet them. And that ministry is in a house just outside one of the block one, from, one block from the main gate. It's now, perfect. Set, perfect. As a plebe, like I said, he's got a unique situation than a lot of other freshmen in college because he wasn't allowed to leave. He has no campus, liberty. Yeah. You know, and certain rules like that. Um, he's allowed to have some liberty, but not on just whenever he wants to leave. So OCF knows those rules. They know what the Navy's like. They know everything. And so they said, look, we have permission from the chaplains to go on campus on Sunday morning during the summer. We're going to have what they called, um, I think they called it Donut. Donut Day. Uh, or it donut, was donut something, sun. and they said if you don't know where to go, just tell them you tell your upperclassmen or the the officers that you're wanting to the go detailers. To the, yeah, the detailers, the donut hallway or whatever, and they'll know exactly where to send you. And that's what they did. They kept it really simple for the summer, but all that to say, like th- it was very intentional for us to get him connected with them. So that he was not kind of wandering and trying to figure it out and figure out what for us, it was a team effort where he should go, how he could get plugged in. Like church was not really a big option um, on the Sunday mornings. He couldn't just leave and go to a a church service on a Sunday morning. Um, And even even the first semester, he's not allowed just to leave and go to church. He would have to get permission and he'd have to get a ride because he doesn't have a car. It's really funny is when when he's. They do have a, a beautiful chapel at the Naval Academy. I mean, this place, this thing is beautiful. And they do have all kinds of services there, Catholic services, Protestant services. So they do make religious services available mm-hmm. to the midshipmen. And it was really funny. Um, <laughs> uh, we didn't get to talk to Neil hardly at all during the summer, just twice all summer. But then we finally got to circle up with him. Um, um, he told us, he said, yes, they have a traditional service. A and Protestant. They have the Catholic service. And then he attended the Protestant service. Yes. So in the Protestant service... One week it's contemporary and one week it's traditional. traditional. And so what's so funny, this kind of tells you about the church he grew up in. He went one week and he's like, well, 
throughout the whole service, I thought it was traditional, but I, but then the next week I went and found out, no, last week was the contemporary. This week, this week was the traditional. And (laughs) I think he fell asleep, but, but he's like, so there, it was so funny. It's like their contemporary, he translated that as traditional just because it was so different, you know? So it's been a challenge for him to connect with the services on campus, but this is where OCF, these allies that we found um, have been instrumental for him. Community. He has community right away. So he went to this open house, met um, the OCF leaders, which were amazing. She loved giving Neil a hug and, and, keeping us updated on stuff. And then they have now allowed him to get plugged in, basically. I mean, now that he made that connection, I actually called him the other day and I said, hey, is it safe to say that because of that connection that we got you connected with OCF that first weekend at that open house is kind of why you got plugged in. And he goes, yeah, that that's definitely. And he wanted credit for his answers. (laughs) 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 Yes, that is true because that, that allowed him now to, you know, they do special events with OCF and get special permission um, to go do certain things, but they have an OCF Bible study. Mm -hmm. They, um, they can, attend the worship service that's on campus uh there is a now true, a sunday night true contemporary true service contemporary service that he can attend and and the leaders of ocf attend that as well and and so i i asked him you know i know that he's gotten more involved and more connected and i'm i'm really proud of him because they offered a mentorship program and he signed up for it on his own without our help and neil so really blessed me the other really day helped. he he sent me a te- he he took a picture of his study guide and uh, he goes i thought you'd be interested in my bible study at OCF this week. And it's all about how the Lord goes with us everywhere we go. And he was writing down scriptures and, and I think he knows what blesses his old man. And, um, so he goes to these Bible studies and he's around other kids of faith, which comes to another point of this. We have been praying and have prayed virtually every day that the Lord would send into Neil's life, other Christian midshipmen and, and um, and I'm really happy that that a couple of his closest friends there are Christians, mm-hmm. and they have they have found each other at and and I believe that's a direct result of prayer. So if I could just encourage some of the parents that um, that as your kids go off to university or colleges, just about every one of these universities and colleges has some kind of Christian campus house. Mm-hmm. There are organizations, and I would encourage you to seek out and be very intentional to find these allies of yours. Um, that that God has put on these campuses, um, like Mike Armstrong down at the University of Arkansas, who's been running Campus House, their Christian Campus House, for years, doing incredible work. Seek that out and seek it out with your with your kids and be intentional. Follow up with them. How are are you going to this? Are you going? Are you about this? Pray that that ministry would influence your kid. There, I'm telling you, you just can't have enough allies in this whole adventure. And um, and I'm thankful that some of the a couple of the kids in his company are also Christians and they have a company Bible study that he goes to every week. So, so I think some of the intentional effort, we help Neil get connected to OCF where he met friends and there's leaders there. They're just phenomenal Christian leaders. He's now in, in Bible studies weekly that he enjoys going to. And there's now a company Bible study pizza. at the company Bible study. <laughs> yeah, they do serve pizza. And, and so it makes for now are any of these things, um, going to prove to be, you know, well, this is, I mean, he's going to be faithful for the long haul. You know, my son gave his life to Christ. I truly believe he's going to walk with the Lord, 
but I'm telling you, he's in an extremely sexual, uh, uh, well, sexual too, but extremely uh, secular environment, yeah. you know, and, and all of these ideas and all of these people, all different kind of beliefs and religions and beliefs on, well, I was trying to say beliefs on sexuality and idolatry and all uh, secular. I mean, like, you know, um, he's already told us that he feels like in many ways, he's like the most conservative a person around well you know in his company because i said it'd be really interesting to be in his company bible study and just be a fly on the wall because of the vast difference even of the believers of yeah. of how much different that they all you know um just the pendulum swinging. that's right yeah but what we're looking for are patterns we want them to be in a pattern of gathering regularly with other christians as an important part of your walk with jesus and i'm thankful that the naval academy has things in place allies with us and that the lord has brought other christian people into his life and i can't tell you what that means for me and um but we continue to pray for that so parents let me just encourage you um as your kids leave the home go with them and help them find where they're supposed to be, encourage them in this pursuit, find them allies, be intentional with that because it's not like they turn 18 or graduate from high school and you tell them good luck. Mm-hmm. I think we should be more intentional with that. I, I joked with the church this weekend, I'm not going to stop being his dad at 28, 38, 48 or 50. As long as I got breath in my lungs, I'm going to, I'm going to parent him to a certain degree. I'm always going to encourage his walk with Jesus. I'm, I'm not going to let him move out alone without without continual conversation, it's still going to saturate our conversations. And I think that's an important reality of acceptance that Christian parents need to accept. But you know your kids and you know how to parent them. Like what worked for us and how we handled our kids and and what they were involved with might be different than how you have to handle your kid. And so taking that into consideration, one one of the other things that I felt like was really integral is that the word integral? Sure. Um, part of their spiritual growth was our life group. And even though our kids aren't necessarily part of our life group because they go to student ministry when we're meeting with our life group, but our life group has been other voices saying the same thing we're saying to them. Mm-hmm. And they're also those friendships that they've built within the other kids, the other, um, their peers, you know, and so they enjoy being together and having those relationships with our life group. And, um, the life group kind of helps hold the parents accountable to also, we're talking about all of these things together. And so we lean on each other and give counsel and advice yeah. and prayer and, and pray comfort together. We pray for our kids at life group. Cause mm-hmm. we are all in the same situation. We all have the same burden. We all have teenagers. Us. Yeah. And so we all know, you know, what's at stake. We know what the world offers and we know um, what Satan is about to pounce on them as soon as they're outside of our home. And so it's just one of those things that I think our life group has been a big part of their relationships and their spiritual growth as well. That's right. Now, my heart, you know, I I know that there's going to be people listening to this saying, my kids are gone and we haven't established any these patterns. And first of all, I think as a parent, you need to release that guilt right now 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And you need to look at the present situation and just ask the question, what can I do today? I talked to a lot of parents that I wasn't even walking with Jesus when my kids were growing up. Right. I didn't, I mean, this wasn't even on the radar cause I yeah. wasn't even walking with Jesus or, you know, let them see that now, but, let them see the difference and the new pattern. Yeah, my best life. advice to you as a parent who feels like, man, I, I didn't put the best example. I fail or whatever. Listen, you let that guilt go right now. Mm-hmm. You just get down on your knees and you ask God to forgive you. Okay. Um, God cares more about where you're going than where you've been. So what does it look like today to be the man or woman of God that he has called you to? What is God doing in your life right now? And you live out that faith in front of your kids. And you know what? If you feel like that um, you made some mistakes in their upbringing, be humble before your kids and own it and just say, man, I'm sorry. Uh, but you know what? I'm trying to walk with Jesus today. I didn't put a good Christian example in front of you. and uh, But but I want you to see me who for I am today. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think when the Lord forgives, he can even forgive mistakes you made as a parent with your kids growing up. We have a very much from this day forward kind of God. So please, by all means, release that as best you can and focus on today. What steps can you take today to help lead even your adult children back to the Lord? And it begins with prayer, lots of prayer. It begins with staying intentional. I don't think you ever lose that intentionality about parenting. So um, you may be moving into grandparent ministry duty now. And what can I do to help be intentional with my grandkids? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if your adult kids don't go to church, but they'd let you take their kids to church, take them to church, mm-hmm. you know, get them in youth group, do all you can to influence. So if you can't, if you're a Christian grandparent and you have don't have that influence anymore, but you still can have on the grandkids and you're allowed to do it, do it. Mm-hmm. Do for your grandchildren what you wish you'd have done for your ki- your kids who are now adults. Mm-hmm. Just pray your way through the whole thing. Um, God sees the heart. God blesses humility. God understands what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, nobody is perfect at this. Um, uh, and, and you just do the best you can. So that, that's, you know, as, as Kirsten and I have thought through this, what we kind of wanted to share, intentionality, trying to saturate your home growing up, set some patterns now while they're in your home that will hopefully carry them into adulthood. And then you come up behind that as Christian parents and you try to reinforce those decisions and do everything you can to help pave the way. And if that means you go with them onto campus and you hunt down the Christian opportunities, then you do it because there's just too much at stake. Yeah. I think this the latest statistic that I read is right now about 80% That's eight out of every 10 kids that grow up in church. They walk away from their faith in college and they don't ever come back. This generation, this generation growing up right now is walking away from their faith at a faster rate than any other generation before them. More people today identify on paperwork that their religious affiliation is none. Hmm. More today than any other time. It's the it's the great rise of the nuns. You can not n u n like Catholic, but the the n o n e the the great rise of the nuns. We've got a real epidemic on our hands of kids, Christian kids, walking away from their faith, and um, the enemy is at work. And we are in a culture that's screwed up. And um, and if you feel like me, you feel like you're pushing a boulder uphill. And, um, and like everywhere you turn, you've got other adult voices that are saying the exact opposite you want your kids to hear. But listen, don't give up. Trust the Lord in this. Do everything you can now. Try to help them set those patterns into adulthood. And, um, and just statistics. Interesting, though, because if you think about it, the kids that are your kids are going to college with, like, say, Neil, um, there are quite a few kids 
next to them that either are not going to church or walking away from their, their, their walk with the Lord right now. Like, um, and so teaching your kids to also just be, um, inviters and, and encourage the kids who were our believers to, Hey, come with me to church or come with me to this Bible study because, um, to avoid that statistic to, you know, I'm saying is that like, if, if all of our, our kids go off to school next year and be a freshman in college and then start going, Hey, I'm going to go do this. You come with me. Then we can maybe change that statistic eventually to say, because we've challenged our, our kids to, to be inviters and not allow them. Oh yeah. He doesn't go to church. He used to, I guess when he was growing up, but he's walked away from his faith. But maybe you specifically, you could be a change agent and say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to rally my friends and, you know, my other midshipmen or my other roommates and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to be different than that. We're going to be change agents this way. If I could speak to the church a little bit, um, this subject right here should make you want to make sure that your church family has the very best kid ministry and student ministry mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would hope that it would inspire many of you to like get involved, um, to come to come up behind uh, Yvette and Sarah as our kid ministry leaders and support them and be like, hey, how can I be of service? I want to be part of, of what's happening here at the church. I want to pour into these kids. I want to be an ally to these parents. I want to say the same thing that the parents are saying. I want to be a part of the process that's going to help these kids come to know Jesus. So if you're not serving anywhere or, or, or really want to make an impact somewhere, uh, call Sarah or Yvette today and jump involved. Come up behind Pastor Zach, our new student pastor, and uh, it's like, man, how can I come in and support the student ministry? How can I be a, an influence to, to help buck these trends and come alongside parents? I don't think you can pour enough time, energy, and resource in the kids and students of our church and to do everything we can to help send these kids off and be allies to parents. So if you're hearing this today and, and you're a little bit like, yeah, I want to be a part of that, this is a great come serve in our kid and student ministries mm-hmm. and come be a part of that adventure. First of all, you're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to meet a lot of people and um, you're going to feel like you're making a big difference in the kingdom and in the world today. So let me just maybe kind of wrap this conversation up with, with, uh, with this. I hope this has been encouraging to you. I can sit here and tell you that Kirsten and I have made many mistakes mm-hmm. and, um, and we have not reached the end zone of this. We are in the process <laughs> of this. We have one who has just stepped out of the nest and we've got another one that's not far behind. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, I want to keep this conversation going. I'd love to visit with any of you about um, about some of these things. And, and if we can be an encouragement to you in any way, shape, or form, um, we want to be, and at a minimum, we want to be praying for you. In fact, why don't we just take a minute right now to pray. Let's sure. pray for the kids in our church. Let's pray for all the kids. The parents, too. And the parents. Dealing with all this, especially if their if their kids aren't walking right. with the Lord. So if you're if you're listening right now, why don't you just pray with us? If you're driving, don't close your eyes. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. But all the rest of you, let's pray. Close your eyes. Oh, Heavenly Father, um, you have been so good to us. And Lord, there are so many challenging situations out there, and everybody has a unique story. But Lord, I just want to pray for several people right now. Lord, I want to pray for that parent who feels like they've somehow come up short or failed. 
in their parenting of their children, maybe did not get them off on the right foot. And Lord, I would just pray that, that you would help that parent release some of that and that Lord, they would find, um, you know, just grace and mercy and forgiveness. And, and Lord, I pray that you would just fill them with this drive to live out their faith today in front of their children, even if they're adult children. And, um, if mistakes need to be owned, they own it and, and seek forgiveness and then, and then move on. Um, but Lord, I want to pray for, for anybody that's just walking around with that heavy, heavy heart for, for their kids and the way they are now and, and, and maybe just feeling guilty about what they could or should have done or, or would have, could have, whatever. I pray God that you'd bring some peace in their heart. And Lord, I pray also for those parents right now who still have kids in the home and that Lord, that you would help them be very intentional with uh, how they are going to raise their kids to know you and love you well beyond high school. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help them see that there's some patterns that they can set, that they can live out their faith genuinely in front of their uh, in front of their kids. They can serve you actively. They can saturate their home. I pray, Lord, you help them help them do that. Lord, I want to pray for our kids too. Lord, I would first of all just pray for their protection, and I mean their spiritual protection. Um, our enemy wants to kill and destroy. Our enemy is a deceiver. Lord, our enemy wants nothing more than to see our kids walk away from Jesus. And I would just pray, God, that you put a hedge of protection around these kids and that, Lord, every single one of our kids, of any of the parents that are listening to this prayer, that, Lord, that you would bring other strong Christian kids into their lives that Lord, they would feed off of each other. And both of that would help them grow in their walk with Jesus and their dedication to you. Lord, I pray even out of our church family, you will raise up pastors and missionaries and leaders who will go out into the world. And I pray Lord that every last one of them too will be young men and women who will enter the workforce and they will be a great witness for you um, in a, in a very lost environment. Lord, I pray that, um, that there would be, um, um, just overwhelming amounts of students that come up through our youth ministries here at new life and that they would stay faithful to you in college and well beyond and raise good families, Lord, um, of their own, where they raise their kids to know you. So Lord, I, I, this, this faith that we have has always been meant to be a generational faith that it gets passed from one generation to the next. And Lord, I just pray with the help of your Holy spirit that you would guide us in doing just that. Help us to impress these things of you onto our children. Give us, Lord, the courage and the and the ability to talk about these things as we as we when we're up and when we lie down and when we walk along the road. I pray, God, just help us to impress um, who you are and how much you love us and what it means to follow you and to become our Lord. And that we can impress these truths and principles onto our kids' lives, and that Lord, it would stick. And Lord, finally, I would just pray for any of of uh, any of the kids that have chosen right now to, to be a prodigal, to run away, to rebel and do their own thing. Lord, I would pray very specifically that something in their situation would change that Lord, even if it's a very hard thing or a tragic thing, something Lord would transpire that would make them look back to you, the faith of their childhood, the faith of their parents that would make them turn and, and want to reconnect with their savior. Lord, I would pray for our kids right now that are, 
that are um, either chasing um, 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 all kinds of lifestyles, alternate lifestyles, Lord, relationships that are not godly, um, secular environments, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is they're chasing, Lord, I would pray that um, you would bring another Christian into their lives as a friend that could have an incredible influence on them. And uh, Lord, as we pray often that you continue to bring good, solid Christian young people into our children's lives, Lord, I would pray the same for all the the kids of uh, families in our church and listen to this podcast who's choosing their own path. I pray, Lord, you bring Christian people, whether that be a Christian boss or a Christian neighbor or or somebody they meet at the gym or somebody at work that uh, could have great influence on them for Christ and that you would use them, Lord, as your special ambassador to bring that uh, that child back to uh, uh, obedience to you. So Lord, this is our prayer. And I, and I know, Lord, hearts are heavy in many ways. And there's nobody that's got this perfectly figured out. But Lord, we trust you. We try to stay humble before you. And we ask for your help in all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood. Not a car show.